It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Paul Biancardi um, uh, joining us now, director of recruiting for ESPN. And, uh, Paul, always fun to visit with you. I've loved your work on this Bronny James, uh, and, and it's it really cool that you have the perspective uh, perspe- you know, of, of having gone after and recruited LeBron back in the day when you were at Ohio State. This has to be one of those full circle moments for you. How cool has it been to, to kind of watch Bronny and then see him uh, make his commitment to USC the other day? Uh, you said it best, Matt. It, it was, it's just a full circle approach. That's the way I looked at it. When I first watched Bronny James as a rising freshman, I was like, oh, wow, this is LeBron's son. And I was recruiting LeBron at the same stage. And, and then after a year or so went by, you know, Bronny became his own player. Uh, he, he got away from being LeBron's son and, and being Bronny James. But it is really cool to see someone like LeBron, which is something you see once in your lifetime, and then to see his son come up through the ranks and really make his own name for himself in the game. And I think that's what people don't understand. When you're the son of an NBA player, and certainly LeBron James, a legend in the game already, why he's still playing, you know, there's a lot of criticism, and sometimes there's, there's a lot of praise, uh, sometimes both a little out of whack. Uh, he's handled it extremely well, and uh, I really enjoyed covering him as a player uh, over the course of his four years, and now he's going to take that next step to USC. And he, he finished inside the top 20 in our rankings, and he started as a sophomore uh, at number 25. So you know, he's fluctuated over time, uh, but he really improved himself as the years went on, and that, that's his greatest attribute. What do you think it is about uh, USC – that other than because you could make the argument maybe it'd be good to get away from uh, family and and, and kind of do your own thing, but maybe he does want to stay home. There are all sorts of pressures that no matter where he goes are just inherently going to be on him. What was it you yeah. think about that program? I mean, they have another unbelievable recruiting. You know, in two thousand twenty-three, um, I mean, it, you know, you've got somebody I think ranked what number one in the in the entire class. What was it about that program and that coach you think that that uh, that Bronny decided to commit there? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Bronny's parents, LeBron and Savannah, had to be comfortable with the situation because when when you have a child and you're LeBron James or any other celebrity, you have to be you have to be careful of where your son is going to be and who's he going to be with. I think they felt really comfortable with Andy Enfield um, and and his staff, easygoing guys that have done a, a tremendous job out there in Los Angeles. You know they were one of the better defensive teams in the country last year, USC, and I think now with Bronny James and a top recruiting class coming in, yes, they do have the number one player, Isaiah Collier. They have some other excellent players as well coming in. And Collier's a point guard. Bronny's a combo. Uh, seeing Bronny play was important with LeBron's schedule. I'm sure that, that makes it a lot easier being right down the road at USC. Comfortable with the staff, style of play, and who he's going to play with. He was really comfortable with Isaiah Collier at the McDonald's All-American Practices. They were both on the West squad. Uh, they did a lot of drills together. They look comfortable playing with each other in the scrimmage and practices. 
So I, I think that had a large part to do with it. You know, who he's playing with, who he's playing for, and I, I do believe staying out west was something that was important to the family. And he had a chance at Oregon as well. A lot of people talked about Ohio State because LeBron, when he was growing up in Akron, we were recruiting him at, at Ohio State, and then the staff after us came in and built a good relationship with him once he got into the NBA. So I think that was a, a viable factor as well. But ultimately, staff, who he's playing with, style of play and location with the determining factors. Paul Biancardi joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. What about uh, Eve Misi uh, coming in to Baylor, reclassifying 2023? You know, I immediately was texting you, okay, now what does this make the class? What's the, <laughs> what's the rankings now? And I don't know how quickly or, um, you know, what, what, it, what it's like when you have one of those reclassifications. But I, I, I would think this probably didn't catch you by surprise. There's probably been talk that he was thinking about this the whole time. Um, and I don't know if that changes because of Baylor losing some players or being thin at certain positions. I don't always know exactly how that works. But when you saw that, is is this a player that that truly can have that immediate impact? Or is this a, is this a pretty raw player? What are we talking about? Because I know he's ranked very highly by you and your staff. Yes, first of all, we had a lot of information that this was going to happen. It was more a question of uh, when it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But it had to be comfortable for Missy and for the Baylor staff. There has to be you know, a gap, an opportunity for him to come in and not just practice and develop, but actually get meaningful minutes. And I think when you look at their roster, uh, that opportunity exists. He got ranked um, in the final class rankings in 2023. We put him into the senior class, and he finished at number 50, which is a tremendous ranking, uh, considering you know he reclassified up into guys that he really didn't play against all that much or he didn't mm-hmm. get analyzed against. He got analyzed with the guys in his class. So now he went up against older, bigger, more established players in the game, uh, more talented kids. But if you're in the top 100 um, of these rankings, you're, you're one-tenth of one percent of the entire high school population. And, and the reason I say that is there was a study a couple of years ago. There was, there was approximately 100,000 high school seniors playing basketball. And, and from that, 1,000 more or less go play on Division One level, all levels of Division One. So it could be Stephen F. Austin. You know, it could be Texas Southern. It could be Baylor. It doesn't matter. But roughly a 1,000 kids go Division One. So if you're in the top 100, you're one-tenth of 1% of the entire population. I think he gets time right away as a shop blocker, a defensive presence, a finisher on the offensive end, and somebody who can grow over the course of the season and time into somebody who can score. Look, he's got tools inside to score. He's got length, he's got mobility, he's got bounce, he's got touch. I've seen him get to his jump hook several times. Terrific on offensive rebound putbacks. Or he can get offensive rebounds, uh, I like to call them throwouts, for the three-point shot. So he'll give Baylor a huge lift and presence this year as a freshman. And I think it, you know, it, it takes their class, Matt. As you did text me, uh, like minutes after the reclassification, <laughs> you were right on it. And uh, uh, you were number one. He, um, this puts Baylor's class into the top ten. Actually, it puts him at number eight. 
So Scott Drew again, you know, top ten recruiting class. Baylor, um, he he has just done miracle work there at Waco over the years. Oh, I love that. Number eight in the class. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was kind of hinting that, but I wanted to hear it from uh, – I wanted to hear it from you. That's uh, that really is uh, exciting. Okay, so Jacoby Walter, when someone gets bumped up a few spots late, and y'all kind of give your final rankings for the class, tell me what goes into that. Does I guess you have to fold in how he looks in the McDonald's All American game, how he looks in the, the the other couple games that he's participated in. Obviously, it seems like he's really finished strong before he reports to Waco. But what do you think it is that, that caused you and other scouting services um, to to bump him up to where he's now, I don't know, you probably know it off the top of your head, but it seems like he's kind of knocking on the, the top ten door as far as players across the country. Yes, he, he cracked the top ten for us at number eight wow. in the final ESPN top 100 rankings uh, of the senior class. He was always highly thought of, and, and prior to that number eight final spot, he was in the, the late teens, which is a significant spot to be in. Obviously, McDonald's All-American, uh, which is considered one of the 24 best players in the country. He had a great season at, at Link Academy, and he's an unassuming 6'5 scoring guard. I say unassuming because he's not very you know vocal, which that has to change. On the defensive end, especially, you know, he, he, his game is loud, but, you know, he doesn't bring attention to himself. He doesn't, you know, look for shots, uh, but he looks for shots at the right time. And he played in Geico Nationals, which is the top eight high school teams in the country that are qualified to play. And, and, and Link won it all. I mean, you're talking about Sunrise, Christian, IMG, Montverde Academy, uh, Luhai out of New York. These are all top eight, ten high school ranking teams in the nation uh, to, to play for a championship on three consecutive nights. Uh, one of the games, he just went off with 35 points. And you, you just don't do that against that level of talent, that level of coaching in, in a championship format, uh, especially when the other teams at this level, they do a lot of scouting. So he, he was fantastic. What he brings to Baylor is the ability to create his own shot. He knows how to get space. At 6'5", he has an excellent mid-range shot. He, he's a very good finisher because he, he focuses on the rim and he's got good body control, and he's got plenty of athletic bounce, you know, to flush it on people. And then now, at this point in time, he's making the three-point shot both off the dribble and off the catch. He is one of those guys who can truly score at different levels and different spots on the floor. He's got excellent size at 6'5". And for a guy who's a star, he plays a team game. How debilitating is that for uh, uh, the Longhorns to lose Ron Holland at such a late date? I mean, I I hate to see it. I'm all, for, I mean, for player movement and that kind of thing. But, boy, once you commit and then you're getting close to going, and I know they had a coaching change and all that, but uh, that's got to be extremely tough on the Longhorns team that you know well. You've always been great at talking about Texas in that roster, and you've been pretty bullish on them in the past few years. What does this do to the Longhorns, and, and how frustrating do you think it is for that staff to have something like that happen? We're talking about uh, the number one or number two player in the country for 2023. 
Yeah, we put Ron Hall, and we moved him up to number two in the class uh, based on, you know, what he did all season. He led Duncanville again, state championship, um, number two or three ranking of, the, of all the high schools in the country. I mean, he's a tremendous prospect. He's what the NBA looks for when it comes to size, basketball IQ. His skill level is improving, and, but his energy and motor is, is second to none in the class. And even with the coaching change, he stayed true to Rodney Terry. Uh, but I think what happens with a lot of these high-profile players is, is their intent is to stay at the school, but with the portal and or players coming back, it changes their outlook on what their role could be for the next season. And mm-hmm. so for him, I think with the fact that Dylan Mitchell, you know, I believe is, is coming back or just getting information to come back, um, you know, that's kind of a position that he was slated for. Uh, Terio Morris obviously moved on. I believe yeah, he's at Kansas right now. So sometimes players don't feel as comfortable as they did when they made their commitment. Yeah, that is uh, really interesting when you see that happen, when somebody is the, the biggest part of your recruiting class. But I guess that's the thing about the portal. You can go find somebody else these days, and uh, Texas will not lack for talent. Let me ask you one more. Trey Johnson, 2024, uh, by some, the top. Um, I mean, I get to see him play a lot, and so in my mind he is the top in the country. But I'm very biased when it comes to him. What do you what do you hear? Hearing about him um, heading into his senior year, he'll have opportunities to play anywhere in the world he wants. But of course, his dad coaches at Lake Highlands, so there's reason to to stay right home and go for another state title. What are you What are you hearing on Trey in in his prospects? Well, first of all, we we have him number one in the class of 2024. Um, we have him as the top player in the class, and obviously the top um, shooting guard in the class. Love his size, love his scoring ability, his jump shot, all those things into one. A little bit of a Jacoby Walter type, uh, but a better shooter at the same stage. Uh, when it comes to recruiting, I mean, this is this is going to be a heavy race. I mean, he, he is top player in the class, a difference maker for the college that he goes to, and a very good chance to be, you know, a one-and-done player. And, and, and quite frankly, a high lottery pick if he continues on this path of development and improvement. I think Baylor is right there. I think Texas, Kansas, Kentucky, if you ask me, those are the top four in my mind uh, that probably have the best chance to get him. Okay, but you don't see him maybe, at least right now, going to one of these academies or you're not hearing anything along those lines? Well, you know, it's interesting. With all the players, you hear different things that, oh, he's looking to go somewhere or he could end up somewhere. Uh, right now, I think that's speculation, uh, only because, you know, his dad's situation, they won the state championship. You know, he is the centerpiece of the program. Uh, the great Jim Valvano always said, don't mess with happy. And, and Trey Johnson is very happy at his high school. Um, but could it happen? Sure. Um, the later the, the summer goes on, there's less likely a chance that it will happen. All right. Well, uh, say the word, by the way, if you ever come to uh, Lake Highlands, all right, to see Trey. I bet you see Trey at a lot of these events. So you, I'm sure you've gotten yeah. to know Richard and, and everybody. Yeah. He's a phenomenal player and a great kid. So uh, that's going to be fun. Now, the other one, by the way, Miro uh, Little coming into Baylor, um, is he – 
I mean, is, is he a, a, a starting? I mean, he may not be one and done like some of these players that have come in. Um, but what, what do you what do you kind of see from him? Is he do you have him as like an immediate impact starter type player for the Bears? I have him as an immediate contributor uh, starter and somebody who contributed. He's not a one and done type, but I'll tell you what he is. He's dependable. He's intense. He plays both ends of the court with, with the same focus and intensity. He makes open shots. He makes good decisions. He's a decision maker, a shooter. Uh, he, he's very aggressive in his game. Um, doesn't fear anyone. You know, I like what he brings. I, I think Baylor fans are going to love him in terms of you know the intensity and the focus and the defense that he brings. You know, Scott Drew you know, puts a premium on his defense, and Miro Little can defend, make open shots, good decision maker. Uh, I think he'll start or get starter minutes uh, right from the very beginning. You know, with all that they lost this year, I mean, this is a, a prime opportunity for Little, you know, to step in. They lose Flagler, right? Keontae George, LJ Cryer. So, you know, it's probably a starting spot there for Miro Little next to Langston Love. Well, listen, I uh, I appreciate it, Paul. Always fun to catch up with you. And uh, I, Dallas-Fort Worth area is uh, producing uh, players at an un, unreal rate. And I, I'm sure it has something to do with, you know, coaching. Uh, you know, and they've had great players over the years. But I, to me, this might be the heyday. What we're seeing over the past, I don't know, three, four, five years, it's just like season after season after season. And uh, is there is that what you think? It's just there seems to be some great coaching, great development. What is it about the what is it about the Metroplex? Other than being a big place, big metropolitan area, but it does does it not seem like Dallas Fort Worth is like better than it even was seven eight years ago when it comes to a talent pool? Yeah, I think you can say that. First of all, there's more grassroots opportunities for kids uh, in Dallas than ever before. So I think that that plays a factor because when, when kids can play more, they get a chance to be, you know, they got opportunities to be seen. Uh, there's better coaching, I think, than ever before. So you combine the opportunities with the coaching. And, and basketball has always been a really, really you know, popular sport in the state of Texas. We, we know that other sport is number one, uh, but, but basketball is real popular, and there's been some phenomenal talent come out of the state over the last you know, 10, 15 years. All right, I appreciate it. Do you ever, are you ever sort of glad that you're not uh, coaching with the NIL, the transfer portal being like it is? Do you, are you kind of glad to be on the, uh, the media side of this thing now? Uh, in some ways, I am because it, it it does distort a lot of decision making by parents and 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 players and you know third parties that advise these kids sometimes for the wrong reason, just strictly for the money versus the fit, versus the head coach versus the the school, the alumni, um, and the whole experience. It it, it it bothers me at times, and I think it's a difficult situation. But I also understand it. I've adapted to it as an analyst and understand it uh, probably better than most. Uh, so I, I think the relationships that you build with kids over the course of time can, can help you navigate it. Um, but I love coaching. It's all that I ever wanted to do. And I, I still feel like I'm coaching. I'm just probably coaching everybody's kid right now.
<laughs> well, it's a fun. You have a. I love your. You know what you do, recruiting director for ESPN. It's a. It's very visible. You do some great things and, and neat things, like doing Bronny's games when he was on some kind of European tour. Um, you really. Uh, uh, it's a very. It's a really uh, awesome deal, and it's fun to read what y'all do. And now I'll. Uh, I'll put it on every billboard. You know that. Uh, that you have the Bears, the number eight. 2023 class okay well, i appreciate that and you know one thing matt i, I do i, I got to thank espn so much i have a great job it, it's a three-level job it's it's analyzing and, and ranking the best high school players in the country plus we televise you know over 40 high school games a year maybe more part of the mcdonald's all-american committee and game and then i get to do college games as well so i get to see these kids at the high school level and then I see them in college, NBA draft work. So I get to touch all different levels of the game. And it, it's a very unique job. It's a job that goes all year round uh, because as of now, you know, we're in the high school circuit, the grassroots. Talk about Trey Johnson. Just saw him you know, two weeks ago in Atlanta at the Nike EYBL. So recruiting keeps you on your toes and it, it keeps you in the thick of things. And I love it. <laughs> 